After reciting the Tashahud, Tawas and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fifth, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated, these days I am narrating accounts from the life of Hazrat Umar and some of the battles that took place during his era were currently being mentioned. I will continue to narrate the accounts with reference to these today as well. The Battle of Bawab took place in the 13th Hijri and according to some historians in the 16th Hijri. During the Battle of Jizr, which I have mentioned in the previous sermon as well, Hazrat Musanna informed Hazrat Umar regarding the battle after the Muslims were defeated. Hazrat Umar said to the messenger that return to your companions and tell them that the Muslim army should remain where it is and that support would soon be on its way. Hazrat Umar was greatly affected by the defeat during the Battle of Jizr. Hazrat Umar sent orators across all of Arabia who delivered passionate speeches thereby inspiring the Arab people. Following this, the various Arab tribes started arriving in droves in order to participate in this national battle, and this included Christian tribes as well. This was not just limited to Muslim tribes alone, but Christian tribes also joined and participated. Hazrat Umar sent a Muslim army towards Iraq, and Hazrat Musanna also gathered an army at the border of Iraq. When Rustam learnt of this, he sent an army under the command of Mehran in order to fight against the Muslims. Hira is a city at a distance of three miles from Kufa and Buweb is located close by. Buweb is a stream which comes out from the Euphrates River and is also near Kufa. It was at this location that both armies formed their positions And this battle was fought during the month of Ramadan and the city of Kufa was later populated near this area. The Persian army's general Mehran stated that should we cross the river or will you cross it and come here? Hazrat Musanna replied that you should cross it. In the previous battle the Muslims crossed the river so therefore this time they were wise and told the Persian army to cross it.
Following this, Hazrat Musanna organized his army, formed its ranks and appointed experienced leaders to each of its divisions. He then mounted his famous horse, Shamus, and inspected the ranks of the Muslim army. Hazrat Musanna stopped at each flag and gave them instructions regarding the battle and then passionately encouraged them in the following words. Hazrat Musanna stated, that I am hopeful that today the honour of the Arabs will not be tarnished at your hands. By God, today I desire for myself whatever I consider desirous for an ordinary man from among you. In other words, he stated that they were all equal. And in response, the courageous army of Muslims passionately hearkened to the call of their beloved leader. And why would they not? For he always treated them fairly whether through his words or actions, and always supported them, whether in times of comfort or difficulties. Thus, it was impossible for anyone to criticize anything Hazrat Musanna did. Hazrat Musanna then instructed the army that he will say Allahu Akbar, i.e. Allah is the greatest three times, and they should remain ready and prepared and attack the enemy as soon as they hear him repeat it a fourth time. When Hazrat Musanna raised the first slogan of Allahu Akbar, the Persian army quickly launched an attack. And as a result of this, the Muslims were also quick in launching their attack. And some individuals from the tribe of Banu Ijal left their ranks and advanced for battle only after the first call of Allahu Akbar. And as a result, this caused disorder in the ranks. Hazrat Musanna then sent a person to them with a message that the leader of the army conveys his greetings of peace and says that today do not humiliate the Muslims. Thereafter, that tribe restrained itself. Then, after an intense battle, the Persians began clamouring, and it is stated that the number of Persians killed in this battle was a hundred thousand, and Mehran, who was a general of the Persian army, was also killed during this battle. This battle is also known as Yawm al-Ashar, because in this battle there were a hundred such people, who killed ten people each. Upon suffering defeat, the Persian army retreated to the bridge in order to cross the river and return to their safe area. However, Hazrat Musanna took his army and chased after them and surrounded them before they could cross the bridge. He then broke the bridge, killing many Persian soldiers. But later, Hazrat Musanna would express deep regret, saying, why did I chase after those who were already defeated and I should not have done so? He would say that I made a great mistake for it did not behove me to attack those who could not defend themselves and I will never do this again in future. Hazrat Musanna then advised the Muslims that O Muslims, you too should never commit such an act and do not follow me in this regard. He stated that he had made the mistake of chasing after those who were fleeing and this should not have happened. Thus, these are the true Islamic morals. During this battle, many great stalwarts of the Muslim army such as Khalid bin Hilal and Masood bin Harsa were also martyred. Hazrat Musanna led the funeral prayers of the martyrs and then stated, By God, my sadness and grief are lightened by the fact that these people took part in this battle 
and they conducted themselves with great bravery and courage, and they remained steadfast. They were never frightened or worried in any way whatsoever. And this fact also lightens my grief that martyrdom acts as an expiation for sins. Then, whilst mentioning this battle, historians record an incident which shines light on the bravery and courage of Muslim women. It is said that at a distance from the battleground in Kavadis, there was a camp for women and children. And upon the conclusion of the battle, when a division of the Muslim army reached the camp on their speeding horses, the Muslim women mistook them to be from the enemy's army, which had come to attack them. And so they quickly surrounded the children and furiously began striking them with stones and sticks. And it was only when the soldiers drew nearer that they realized that these were Muslims. Upon this, the leader of his group of soldiers, who was Amr bin Abdul Masih, he stated that this action truly behoves the women of Allah's army. The battle of Buweb came to an end, however it left behind a deep-rooted impact because Iran had never before faced such a loss of life. One of the results of this battle was that most Muslims in the surrounding areas of Iraq gained firm footing. Their hold from Savade, Iraq to the Tigris River became firm and after a few smaller battles, the Muslims once again took hold of the surrounding areas which they previously had to leave and the Persian army saw the strength in them, which is why they retreated to the far end of the Tigris River. After this victory, the Muslims spread to various parts of Iraq. <coughs> then there was the Battle of Qadsiya, which took place in 14 Hijri. Qadsiya is located in present-day Iraq, and is located 35 miles from Kufa. In 14 Hijri, during the era of Hazrat Umar Khilafat, a decisive war was fought between the Muslims and the Persians at Qadsiya. And as a result, the Persian rule fell into the hands of the Muslims. When the Persians learnt of the success of the Muslims, it was said to Rustam and Feroza, who were two leaders of theirs, that they had been at odds with each other and thus weakened the Persians and had given confidence to their enemy. Now the situation is such that if we remain as we are, then Iran shall be destroyed because Baghdad, Sabat, which is a place near Madain, Tikrit, which is a well-known city between Baghdad and Mosul, and which is 30 miles from Baghdad or 30 Farsakh or even 90 miles from it. They then stated that now Madain is the only city that remains intact and if the two of you do not find an agreement then we will kill you ourselves and finally find tranquility as we perish ourselves. In other words, they will commence battle themselves. Following this, Rustam and Ferozan deposed Boran and placed Yazdagird on the throne who was 21 years of age at the time and all the fortresses and military bases were then fortified. 
When Hazrat Musanna informed Hazrat Umar عنه, of all these activities of the Persians, Hazrat Umar stated that by God I shall make the kings of the non-Arabs compete with the commanders and kings of the Arabs. Thus, all the chiefs, great thinkers, honourable men and speakers and poets were sent forth to contest them. Hazrat Musanna was also directed to leave the non-Arab land and to come to the coastal area close to the border between them. The tribesmen of Rabia and Muzar were also commanded to take part. Hazrat Umar then sent leaders to all four corners of the Arab lands and instructed the chiefs and those in authority to gather in Mecca. Since the time for the Hajj had approached, Hazrat Umar departed to perform the Hajj. And during the Hajj, Arab tribes had come from every direction. When Hazrat Umar returned from the Hajj to Medina, he found a large army had assembled. Hazrat Umar personally took lead of this army and appointed Hazrat Ali as the governor in Medina and he himself set forth and set up camp in Sirar. Sirar is also a spring situated three miles from Medina. Hazrat Umar had not yet made a clear decision regarding his physical participation in the battle. Though he had departed with the army, but he had not yet decided if he would go to battle himself or appoint someone else as the commander along the way. In any case, it is mentioned in Tariq al-Tabari that Hazrat Umar took counsel from the people and they all advised him to go to Persia. They told him to take the whole army under his leadership. But before reaching Sirar, Hazrat Umar had not discussed this matter with anyone, but Hazrat Abdul Rahman was among those who advised him not to go. When the others advised him to go with the army, Hazrat Abdul Rahman advised against it. Hazrat Abdul Rahman stated that to this day I have not sacrificed my mother and father for anyone except the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and nor will I ever do so after him. He then said to Hazrat Umar, However, today I shall say, O ye for whom my mother and father be sacrificed, leave the final decision in this matter with me. He then told Hazrat Umar, you should stop at Sirar and send forth a large army from here. Hazrat Abdul Rahman then further stated that you have witnessed from the beginning up till now what Allah the Almighty has decreed in relation to your armies. The impact of losing you is far greater than if your army suffers a defeat. In other words, if you are martyred or are defeated in the beginning, I fear that the Muslims will no longer be able to glorify God nor bear witness that there is no God but Allah. And so, after a meeting of consultation with the selected and learned companions, Hazrat Umar held a general assembly. When he received the advice of Hazrat Abdul Rahman, he took counsel from the select companions and then he held a general meeting in which Hazrat Umar delivered an address. Hazrat Umar stated that Allah the Almighty has brought the people together in Islam and he has placed love between their hearts and made them all brothers. He further stated that Muslims are like one body and when one part ails, the rest of it cannot but feel the pain. 
Therefore, it is incumbent upon the Muslims to decide their matters between them in consultation. And advice should be taken especially from those possessing wisdom and understanding. Hazrat Umar then further stated that furthermore, once the people have agreed upon a matter and are pleased with it, they must follow and obey it. And the Amirs must accept the suggestions of the people of sound opinion in relation to their judgment about the people and their plans with regards to battles. Hazrat Umar then further stated, O people, I desire to be with you in person during the battle. Hazrat Umar stated that, O people, I desire to be with you in person during the battle, but the wise ones among you have stopped me from doing so. Therefore, I have decided not to go ahead and to send someone else instead. After this, Hazrat Umar then began searching for someone and at the same time a letter from Hazrat Saad was received. At the time, Hazrat Saad was appointed to collect the donations from the people of Najd and Hazrat Umar stated, Tell me of a person who I should appoint as the commander. Hazrat Abdul Rahman replied that you have just found the person. Hazrat Umar asked who is this person and Hazrat Abdul Rahman answered the brave lion Saad bin Malik. In other words Saad bin Abi Waqas and the rest of the people also agreed with this suggestion. In Tariq al-Tabari it is written that when Hazrat Umar radiallahu appointed Hazrat Saad as the commander he stated O Saad, do not think about the fact that you are the uncle of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and also a companion. Allah the Almighty does not remove evil with evil, in fact he removes evil with virtue. And there is no other relation between man and God aside from obedience. This is the advice Hazrat Umar imparted to him. When Hazrat Saad was about to depart, again Hazrat Umar advised him saying that remember my advice, for you have vowed to undertake an extremely difficult and arduous task. Thus ensure that you yourself and your companions with you instill the habit of piety and seek victory by means of this. Remember, in order to adopt a certain habit, there are certain means to do it. And the means to adopt piety is patience. If one shows patience, they will instill the habit of piety. Thus, exhibit patience for every trial and difficulty that may befall you. As a result of this, the fear of Allah will develop within you. Hazrat Umar then stated, Take your Muslim comrades and march from Sharaf to Iran. Sharaf was the name of a spring in Najd. And he ordered the army to gather there and to advance from there. Hazrat Umar then further stated, Place your trust in Allah and seek help from Him alone in all your affairs. Remember, you are heading towards the people who are vast in number and they have provisions and are a formidable military strength. And the terrain to which you are heading towards is extremely difficult and protected, despite being an excellent terrain owing to its lush greenery. Thus, be vigilant and do not be deceived because they, i.e. the enemy, are cunning and devious. And when you reach Qadziya, you will stop where the mountainous area finishes and the plains begin. There you set up camp and do not move from there. Hence, Hazrat Umar even designated the place for them. He then stated that when the enemy becomes aware of your arrival, they will be making preparations 
and the infantry and cavalry will launch a full-out attack. In such an instance, if you remain steadfast and resolute against the enemy, and at the same time, if your intention to fight the enemy is pure and to attain Allah's reward, then I am sure you will be victorious. And after this point, they will never be able to gather together to attack you again. And even if they do join forces, their hearts will be divided. In other words, they will be fearful if they fight. Hazrat Umar then stated, And if another situation arises, then move away from the Persian lands. In other words, if they have to retreat or if they face defeat, then move closer to your own elevated area. In this case, you will have more strength fighting in your own area, as you know the area well, and the Persians will be fearful of fighting against you in your own territory. Furthermore, they will be unaware of the terrain, and Allah the Almighty will grant you victory over them again. Hazrat Umar was convinced that they will be granted victory even if temporarily the situation changes, but eventually victory would be theirs. Thus, all the movements and arrangements of this army was in accordance with the detailed instructions received from Hazrat Umar whilst he was still in Medina. In Tabari, it is written that Hazrat Umar even set the date of the army's departure from Sharaf and stated that when reaching Qadsiyah, ensure the army camps between Uzaybul Hajanat and Uzaybul Qawadis and that the army ought to spread out to the east and the west. Uzayb is a waterhole between Qadsiyah and Mughisiyah and it is situated 4 miles from Qadsiyah and 32 miles from Mughisiyah. In the historical accounts, we know from the letter of Hazrat Umar to Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas that there were two places called Uzeb. Hazrat Umar sent Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas to Persia with 4,000 Mujahideen, and along the way, 2,000 Yemenis and 2,000 Najidis joined them. Also, 3,000 men from the Banu Asad joined, as well as Ashas bin Qais Kindi, along with 1,700 Yemeni soldiers. Including the existing army, the Muslim army increased to over 30,000 soldiers. The significance of this army can be determined from the fact that among this army there were 99 companions who took part in the Battle of Badr alongside the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And Tabari has stated this number to be more than 70. There were also 310 such companions who had the honour to remain in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, from the early years of Islam up until Bayt al-Rizwan. Moreover, 300 companions among them were those who were present during the conquest of Mecca and 700 men who were not companions themselves but had the honour of being children of companions. Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas set up camp upon reaching Sharaf and Musanna was waiting at Zulkar, a waterhole near Kufa with reinforcements of 8,000 men and it was during this time that he passed away. He had appointed Bashir bin Khasiya in his place and Musanna passed away there. Upon reaching Sharaf, Hazrat Saad sent a detailed report about the developments of the army. Hazrat Umar then arranged the army himself and wrote a letter stating that split the army into groups of 10 Mujahideen and appoint a leader over them and then appoint a senior commander over each of these units.
Then estimate the size of the army and send them to Qadsiya. Keep the unit consisting of Mughira bin Shubha under your command. Hazrat Umar told Hazrat Saad to keep the unit consisting of Mughira bin Shubha under his command. And then inform me in detail about the subsequent events and also update me about the developments of each day. And so Hazrat Saad arranged the army according to these instructions and sent a detailed report to Hazrat Umar anhu. Appointing a leader over a unit of 10 Mujahideen was in accordance with the system that existed from the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In another letter, Hazrat Umar advised Hazrat Saad saying, Counsel your heart and also guide your army and advise them. Be patient because Allah the Almighty rewards people on their intentions. He then stated that show the utmost caution with regards to the responsibility placed upon you and for the task you have been sent for. Be very careful and seek protection from God and constantly recite La hawla wa la quwata illa billah that there is no might nor power save with Allah alone. And inform me about where your army has reached and who the rival commander-in-chief is because there are certain instructions I wish to impart to you and the only reason I refrain from doing so because I am unaware of certain details about you and the enemy. In other words, send him all the information and he will then send further instructions. Hazrat Umar then stated, Thus inform me in depth regarding the Muslim army as well as the conditions of the terrain between you and Madain, the capital of the Iranians, and outline it in a such a way as if the entire situation is before me. In other words, to send him every minute detail and explain to me your situation clearly. And fear God Almighty and place all your hopes in Him. Place your trust in God with all your matters and fear Him lest He removes you and chooses another nation to fulfill this task. In other words, that they ought to always remain fearful of Allah regarding this. It was not the case that they had been appointed as sole custodians to fulfill this mission. If they did not act responsibly, then Allah would remove them and would assign some other people to complete this task because this was certainly going to be fulfilled. Upon reaching Qadsiya, Hazrat Saad sent a detailed report about the army and also the surrounding areas. Hazrat Umar wrote back saying to stay in their place until the enemy themselves launch an attack and if they are defeated then to march towards Madain. The following has been mentioned in reference to Hazrat Saad, but it is necessary to mention this also in reference to Hazrat Umar In light of the guidance of the Khalifa, Hazrat Saad camped in Qadsiya for one month, but no one from among the Persians confronted them. Upon this, the local residents wrote to Yazdajard, the Persian king, stating that the Arabs have been residing in Qadsiya for some time now, and you have not done anything about it. They have destroyed the land up to the Euphrates River and have looted cattle etc. And if we do not receive any help, we will have to hand everything over to them. Upon receiving this letter, Yazdajad called over Rustam, who used different excuses to avoid taking part in the battle and instead suggested to make Jalinus the commander-in-chief of the army. However, Rustam's suggestion was rejected and he had to depart with the army. 
Hazrat Umar wrote to Hazrat Saad and instructed him to send an invitation to Rustam to accept Islam through someone who was noble, wise and courageous. In other words, he was not to begin the war unnecessarily. Instead, the enemy ought to be invited towards Islam. And he stated that through this, Allah will bring about the enemy's defeat and their success. And also that he ought to send a letter to Hazrat Umar every day. Upon this, Hazrat Saad selected 14 esteemed individuals and sent them as emissaries to the royal court of the Persian king Yazdajad in order to invite him towards Islam. The Muslims were on horseback, wearing cloaks and with whips in hand. And the first to speak to the king was Hazrat Numan bin Muqarrin, after which Mughira bin Zarara spoke to him. Mughira stated to the king, that either we will fight against you or you pay the jizya. You now have the choice to either accept to live under our rule and pay the jizya or then prepare for battle against us. However, there is a third option as well and that is if you accept Islam then you will safeguard yourselves from everything. Upon this, Yazdajal stated that if the killing of the emissaries was not prohibited I would have killed you all. I have nothing to offer you. Be gone from here. He then asked for a basket of soil and said, Take this from me. And he then instructed for these emissaries to be expelled from the gates of Madain. Asim bin Amr took hold of the basket of soil and handed it to Hazrat Saad and stated, that glad tidings be upon you, for Allah the Almighty has granted us the keys to this land. After this incident, both armies remained as they were and no further action took place for many months. Rustam took his army and remained in Sabat and refrained from engaging in any battle despite Yazdagird pushing for it. The people repeatedly sought protection from Yazdagird, otherwise they would fall under the Muslim rule and thus Rustam was compelled to advance forth for battle and the Persian army left Sabat and camped in the plains of Qadsiyah. When Rustam departed from Sabat, his army consisted of 130,000 soldiers and they had 33 elephants. It took Rustam four months to reach Qadsiya. And after setting camp in Qadsiya, the next morning Rustam took an assessment of the Muslim army and wished to make peace with the Muslims and for them to return back. Hence, Rustam asked the Muslims to make peace and for them to return. But the response of the Muslim army was that they had not come with the intention of any worldly objective. Rather, their sole purpose was the hereafter. Rustam then asked the Muslim army to send their representatives to his royal court so they could negotiate on the matter. Subsequently, very precious and expensive carpets were laid out in the royal court of Rustam and various other arrangements of adornments and embellishments were done. A royal seat made of gold was placed for Rustam and a cloth laid upon it and it was adorned with cushions embroidered with thread made of gold. From among the Muslims, Hazrat Rabi bin Amir was the first to go there as a representative of the Muslims. He walked taking small steps with the support of his spear and the tip of the spear would cause a soft layer of the carpet to rip. He reached Rustam and planted his spear into the carpet. Hazrat Rabi proposed three options before him. Firstly, that if they accept Islam, they will leave them alone and let them be in their land. 
and that they could govern their land as they wished. Or they pay the jizya and in return they, i.e. the Muslims, will grant them protection. And if they did not wish to take either option, then on the fourth day they will enter into battle against them. He further stated that the Muslims will not initiate the battle in the three days prior to that. But if they started the battle, then they would have no choice but to respond. The next day, Hazar Saz sent Huzefa bin Mehsan, and he also presented the same three options as Hazrat Rabi. On the third day, Hazrat Mughira bin Shuba went, and at the end of his conversation, just like his earlier two companions, he also mentioned the three options of either accepting Islam, paying the jizya, or then entering into battle. Upon this, Rustam stated that now you people will certainly be destroyed. Hazrat Mughira replied, whoever among us is killed will enter heaven, and whoever among you is killed will enter the hellfire, and whoever remains alive among us will have victory over you. Upon hearing these words of Hazrat Mughira, Rustam became furious and taking an oath stated, I swear by the sun that tomorrow the sun will not have even fully risen and we will have completely destroyed you. Even after Hazrat Mughira, Hazrat Saad sent a few more wise Muslims to the royal court of Rustam and they all returned the same evening. Hazrat Saad instructed the Muslims to prepare for battle and sent a message to the Persians that they would have to cross the river to get to them. The Muslims had taken control over the bridge and so the entire night the Persians had to construct a bridge over the river Atik. Whilst crossing over the bridge, Rustam stated that tomorrow we shall completely annihilate the Muslims. In response to this, a person from one of his men from ahead stated, If Allah so wills, perhaps he had belief in Allah. However, Rustam replied, Even if Allah does not will for it to happen, we shall still destroy them, God forbid. The Muslims by now had prepared their ranks for battle. However, Hazrat Saad developed a boil on his body and was suffering from sciatica. And as a result, he could not even sit down and would lie on his chest. A cushion was placed under his chest so that with its help he could look upon the army from the top of the fort or the platform that had been constructed above the tree. Hazrat Saad appointed Khalid bin Arfata as his deputy and Hazrat Saad addressed the Muslims and encouraged them to perform the jihad and reminded them of Allah's promise of victory. The Persian army was at the edge of the river Atik. The river Atik flows out from the Euphrates River and the Muslim army was next to the wall of Qudas and the trench. Qudas is an area next to Qadsiya and situated at a distance of one mile from the river Atik. 30,000 from among the Persian army were joined in chains with one another so that no one was able to flee from the battlefield. Hazrat Saad instructed the Muslims to recite Surah Al-Anfal and upon its recitation the Muslims felt at ease. After offering the Zuhr prayer, the battle between the Muslims and the Persian army began. The Persian army caused the Muslims to suffer a lot of loss. Hazrat Asim called for the expert archers from the Banu Tamim and ordered them to attack those mounted on the elephants with their arrows. Furthermore, he also instructed some of the brave soldiers on foot to go from the back of the elephants and cut loose their saddles. Some 
Subsequently, there did not remain a single elephant which did not have a saddle or a rider mounted upon it. The battle continued even after the sun had set, and on the first day 500 Muslims from among the Banu Asad tribe were martyred. This day is known as Yomi Armas. The next day in the morning, Hazasad buried all those who had been martyred and sent the injured to the women so that they may tend to them. Also, the next day, a reinforcement for the Muslim army was sent from Syria. Hazrat Hashim bin Utba bin Abi Waqas was the commander of this reinforcement, and the commander of the contingent of the army at the front was Gaka bin Amr. Gaka very swiftly completed the journey and reached the army in Iraq in the early morning at Aghwas. Gaka very intelligently divided the army in groups of ten, and each group was at a short distance from one another. And each group consisting of ten soldiers would gradually join the Muslim army one after the other. Upon the arrival of each group, the Muslim army would raise the slogan of Allah is the greatest, and thus it seemed as if the Muslim army was continuously receiving reinforcements. Hazrat Kaka himself was in the front part of the army, and as soon as he reached the Muslim army, he conveyed his greetings of peace and gave them the glad tidings of the arrival of the Muslim army. He then said, O people, do as I am doing. He then went forth and called out the enemy to engage in a battle duel. Upon hearing his call, Bahma Jazviya went forth to engage in the duel and they both began to fight and Hazrat Kaka killed him. Owing to the death of Bahman Jazviya and the arrival of the reinforcement, the Muslims were extremely happy. Regarding Hazrat Kaka, Hazrat Abu Bakr has stated that it is not possible to overcome an army which has people like him in it. That day, the Persian army was not able to fight with their elephants because their saddles had been broken the previous day. Therefore, they had spent the entire morning trying to repair them. And on the other hand, the Muslims devised a plan whereby they put clothes on the camels, covering their entire body and necks. And subsequently, they began to appear as if they were elephants. Wherever these camels would go, the horses of the Persian army would begin to jump uncontrollably, just like the previous day the horses belonging to the Muslims were reacting upon seeing the elephants. From morning till the afternoon, the soldiers on horseback continued to fight. When more than half of the day had passed, the general battle began, and this day is known as Yawmi Aghwas, and this day belonged to the Muslims. In other words, they were victorious. In the morning of the third day, both armies were in their respective trenches and a very fierce battle was fought on this day. There were 2,000 Muslims who were martyred and 10,000 soldiers of the Persian army were killed. The Muslims would bury their dead and would send their injured men to the women who would tend to their injuries. However, the dead soldiers from the Persian army were left in the battlefield. That night, the Persians repaired the saddles of the elephants and the soldiers on foot were guarding the elephants and thus the elephants were unable to wreak as much havoc as they did on the first day. Hazrat Saad sent a message to Hazrat Kaka and Hazrat Asim and stated that put an end to the white elephant of the Persian army. Following this, Hazrat Kaka and Hazrat Asim attacked the elephant and dug their spears in its eyes and as a result it became uncontrollable and threw off its rider. The elephant's trunk was then cut off and it was then put to the ground by attacking it with arrows. After this, the Muslims dug their spears into the eyes of another elephant, 
and the elephant would at times rush towards the Muslim army and they would pierce it with their spears, or it would then rush towards the Persian army and they would also pierce it with their spears. Eventually, the elephant, which was known as Ajrab, ran towards the river Ati. And upon seeing this, all the other elephants followed suit. And they all fell into the river and died along with their riders. The fighting continued till the sun had set, and this day is known as Yawm Ammas. Then another fierce battle broke out after the Isha prayer. And it is said that at the time, the noises of swords was like the noise of iron being cut at an ironsmith's workshop. Hazrat Saad also remained awake the entire night and was occupied in supplicating before Allah the Almighty. Such an incident was never before witnessed by an Arab or a non-Arab. When morning came, the zeal and passion of the Muslims remained resolute and they prevailed. After that night when morning came, everyone was fatigued as they had remained awake the entire night. That night is known as Laylatul Harir. And the reason which has been recorded for naming it this is that during that night, the Muslims did not speak to one another Rather, they merely whispered. This is also the meaning given for Harir, that the slight sound that comes from a bow after an arrow has been shot from it, or the slight sound of a mill turning. Tabari has also written that the reason for naming it as Laylatul Harir is that from the outset of the evening until the morning, the Muslims fought with great bravery, and they were not speaking out loud, rather they whispered to one another, and thus that night became known as Laylatul Harir. In any case, on the fourth day, the fighting continued until the afternoon and the Persian army continued to retreat. Afterwards, an attack was made on Rustam and he fled to the river Atik. When he jumped into the river, a Muslim by the name of Hilal captured him and dragged him to the shore and killed him. Afterwards, the Muslim man who killed Rustam announced that I have killed Rustam, come to me. Upon this, the Muslims surrounded him from all sides and loudly raised the slogan glorifying Allah. Following this, the news of Rustam's death rendered the Persians defeated and thus they retreated. The Muslims chased after them and killed them and also imprisoned a large number of their soldiers. That day is known as the Day of Qadsiyah and every morning Hazrat Umar radiallahu would ask the riders coming from the battleground regarding the Battle of Qadsiyah. When a messenger brought good news about the battle and informed that Allah had caused the disbelievers to suffer defeat. Hazrat Umar at the time was running ahead in order to gather information while the messenger was riding on his camel and he did not even recognize Hazrat Umar When this messenger arrived in Medina and people were calling Hazrat Umar Amirul Mu'mineen, I leader of the faithful and greeting him. The messenger said to Hazrat Umar that why did you not tell me that you are the Amirul Mu'mineen? Upon this Hazrat Umar replied that my brother do not worry about it. After being informed of this victory, Hazrat Umar read the news out to a gathering, after which he delivered a moving speech. He then sent an instruction that the army should stay where they were, and that the army ranks should be reassembled, and other matters which required to be sorted out should be tended to. Hazrat Saad had sought guidance from the Khalifa that in the Battle of Qadsiyah there were those from among the Persians who before this had made treaties with Muslims, and there were some who had been called to battle against their will, as the Persian government had forced them to join. In other words, they had not come willingly, but they were compelled to do so, and many of these claims proved to be true. Furthermore, there were many who left their land and fled to the enemy territories due to the battle and now were returning. In order to make decisions regarding these matters, 
Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala held a consultative meeting in Medina and after consultation he sent his guidance that those who had agreements with Muslims and they fulfilled these agreements and they did not flee their land and they did not go towards the enemy then those agreements should be honoured and upheld. He further stated, and those who did not have any prior agreements with the Muslims but they remained in their area and did not join the enemy in battle against the Muslims then they should be treated in the same manner as those who did have treaties with the Muslims. Hazrat Umar then stated that those who claimed the Persian government forced them to join the army and their claim seems to be true, then they too should not be treated any less by the Muslims and should be left alone. And as for those who falsely claimed that they were forced and instead they fought the Muslims alongside the enemy of their own will, then their initial agreement should be voided because they supported the enemy. And so, either a new agreement should be made with them or they should be taken to their place of security, meaning that upon a new agreement they should be taken out from there and they should be left free to go wherever they choose. And those who did not have any agreements and they left their area to join the enemy and fought against you, then if you deem it appropriate, they too should be invited and they should pay the jizya. In other words, to show as much leniency as possible regarding their matter and that they should live in your area and if you do not deem it appropriate, then do not call them and if they continue to remain at war with you, then fight back against them. If they continue fighting, then they have the right to fight as well. But if they desist, then despite having joined the enemy, let them go. Hence, these instructions proved beneficial and the surrounding people returned to their lands and populated them again. This is an excellent example of showing their resolve. It was a great resolve shown by the Muslims when they invited the same people to re-inhabit their land who at such a delicate time had disregarded their agreements and had joined the enemy. And though the consultation held in Medina had given the option of either calling these Persians back or not, and instead distribute their lands amongst the Muslims. Yet, historians write that in this dangerous time, those who had broken their packs were called back and their lands were taxed more than the usual rate. In other words, this was the only condition that since they had broken their agreements, therefore they could return to their lands, but the land tax that they paid would have to be more than that paid by the others. But in any case, they could continue to own their own land. In the series of victories in Iraq, this battle was quite decisive and Muslim soldiers were steadfast and bold in facing extremely hostile conditions. The historians have written that when stipends were being appointed for people by the Khalifa, having taken part in the Battle of Qadziyah was considered to be a distinguishing factor and Hazrat Umar determined a higher amount of stipend for those who had taken part in the Battle of Qadziya. I'll present a portion of what Hazrat Muslim has stated regarding the Battle of Qadziya. Hazrat Muslim states that during the time of Hazrat Umar, Yazdagir, the grandson of Khusru Parvez, ascended to the throne and began to make extensive preparations to fight against the Muslims. In response to this, Hazrat Umar sent an army under the command of Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas. 
as Assad chose Qadzia as the location for battle and also sent a map of the area to Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar expressed his approval of the location, but along with this, he instructed that it was his duty to first send a delegation to the king of Iran and invite him to accept Islam. And so, upon receiving this instruction, he sent a delegation to meet Yazdajard. And when this delegation arrived at the royal court of the king of Iran, he asked his translator to inquire why they had come and why they had created so much disorder in their land. When the translator asked them this question, Hazrat Numan bin Muqarrin, who was the leader of the delegation, stood up and after mentioning about the advent of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he stated, The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has commanded us to spread the message of Islam and invite the entire world to the true faith. In accordance to this commandment, we are here before you and invite you to Islam. Yazdajarad became infuriated at this reply and stated that you are a nation that are like wild beasts and who eat carrion. If it is owing to hunger and the lack of provisions that has compelled you to fight, then I am willing to grant all of you with enough provisions of food and drink that you will be able to comfortably live for the rest of your lives. And I shall also provide you with clothes and you can take all of these provisions and return to your country. Why would you want to endanger your lives by engaging in a battle with us? When he finished saying what he had to say, Hazrat Mughira bin Zurara stood up on behalf of the Muslim delegation and stated that whatever you have said about us is absolutely true. Indeed, we were a nation like wild beasts and would eat carrion. We would even eat snakes, scorpions, locusts and lizards. However, Allah the Almighty bestowed his blessings upon us and sent his messenger, peace be upon him, to guide us. We accepted him and acted in accordance to what he said and as a result, a revolutionary change has taken place within us. Therefore, those ills which you have spoken of no longer remain in us and we are not going to be tempted by anything you offer. The battle between you and us has now commenced and the matter will be settled in the battlefield. In other words, if you fail to listen to what we have to say and you do not wish to accept our invitation and want to fight against us, then that is fine. We will fight against you. However, the temptation of offering worldly wealth and material cannot deter us from our objective. When Yazdajirid heard this, he became extremely angry and told one of his servants to go and bring a sack of soil. When the sack of soil arrived, he called the leader of the Muslim delegation to step forward and said that since they had rejected his offer, therefore they would receive nothing except for a sack of soil. The companion earnestly stepped forward and lowered his head, as has been mentioned once before as well, but this is more detailed, that he's lowered his head and had the sack of soil placed on his back. He then sharply stood up and they all swiftly made their way out from the royal court. And whilst departing from there, he loudly said to the fellow members of the delegation that today the king of Iran has handed us the soil of his land with his own hands. They then mounted their horses and raced off. When the king heard this, he was shocked and ordered the servants of his royal court to go after them and bring back the sack of soil because by giving them the soil of his land with his own hands was a bad omen. However, by then, they had travelled far off into the distance. In the end, it turned out exactly as they had said and within a few years, Iran came under Muslim rule. 
Hazrat Muslim further writes that how did this extraordinary change come about within the Muslims? This is because the Quranic teachings brought about a revolutionary change in their morals and conduct. It brought an end to their lowly way of life and instead elevated them to possess the most excellent morals and character. This is why they were able to bring about a revolutionary change. Therefore, true revolution only comes about by adhering to the teachings of the Holy Quran. Inshallah, these accounts will continue to be narrated in the future as well. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu wa nastainu wa nastaghfiru wa numinu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'awzu billahi min shurur anfusina wa min sayyati amalina man yadihillahu falamudillahu وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُّ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبَادُ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ